If you would join with me in prayer. God, I pray in my weakness you would be, uh, show yourself strong. Father, I pray that you would use me to communicate your word and to um, help us see the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him with all our hearts. May he be that good foundation uh, that um, is laid for us whereby we enjoy and take hold of that which is truly life, I ask in His name. Amen. On September 28, 2008, uh, one of the greatest uh, recessions in our nation's history uh, began Uh, The uh, housing market had been struggling mightily. That put strains on the banking system. And on September 28th, Congress uh, declined to pass the the bank bailout bill. The stock market dropped 777 points in one day. And the recession lasted for... Another six months, it continued to drop, the market continued to drop and lost 50% of its value. As it was dropping, people were thinking, I need to get out. I need to cut my losses. And so many did. And about after six months, the market began stabilizing. It began rising. And it began what became a uh, seven-year um, bull market where it was, it was climbing, climbing, climbing without uh, any, any uh, signs of, of downturn. And all the while, the market analysts were saying, you need to get out of the market. The market's going to correct. The market's going to correct. Or you need to temper your investments. And it never did correct. Uh, And then we had the um, 2016 election. And again, there were many voices saying, uh, the market's going to correct. There's going to be a recession. And instead of uh, a recession, there was a record rise in the stock market during 2017. A lot of people made a lot of money. 2018. The market became volatile. In 2018, we had the greatest points loss in one day in the market's history. And we also had the greatest points gain in market history. And so it was like riding a roller coaster. All that to say, what Paul tells us, in verse 17, not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches is very true. If you have wealth, one of the, the best ways to invest that wealth is in the stock market. But even the experts don't know what the stock market is going to do. And so riches are always uncertain. 
And uh, the Apostle Paul here uh, gives warnings to the rich. It's almost like a postscript. Uh, it's, it's like he finished the sermon in verses uh, 16 and 17, where he ta- uh, 15, 16, and 17, where he talks about God being the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. It seems like that's the end of the letter, but they didn't have word processors like we do. And the Apostle Paul Possibly in reading over thought, I need, I need to say a few more words to those who are rich in the congregation. Christianity, uh, early Christianity, had a lot of poor people in the church. They even had slaves. We saw that earlier in uh, the book of, of 1 Timothy. But they also had the rich. And Paul uh, gives them two warnings and an admonition in verse 17. The first warning is, charge them not to be haughty. In other words, um, P- Paul tells Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be arrogant. Charge them not to be proud because of their wealth. Throughout history, uh, there have been uh, those who take special pride in their status in society, in the, the, the largesse of their possessions, in their home, in their cars in our present age. And these things are status symbols. And Paul says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. You know, one of the things I think is a strength for our congregation is that we have a wide variety of, um, or a wide diversity in our congregation. And yet we also have a strong uh, identity as a church family, that, uh, that we are one body. We're not segregated off by social status. And I think that is a wonderful thing. And so Paul says... As for the rich, charge them not to be haughty. And then he gives them a second warning. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. The, um, the poor, I'm sorry, the rich, um, it's very tempting to set their, their, their hopes on, on riches. This is probably something that touches all our lives. We probably all struggle with this in one way or another. Setting our hopes on riches. You know, when, when things are going well in the, with our bank account, when it's nice and healthy, our mood is generally uh, good, everything seems bright, the sunshine is, uh, is shining on us every day. But when the the bank account is struggling, when it's low, our mood generally grows gloomy. We struggle wondering uh, where the next next paycheck's going to come from, where the next 
uh, bill is how the next bill is going to be paid, and so we uh, we struggle. And uh, this tells us that maybe we're putting our hope in um, riches, in the uncertainty of riches, rather than uh, where it ought to be on God. And if our hope is on God. We'll be able to trust in Him. We'll be able to have joy in the Lord, even when the bank account is uh, is low and struggling. You know, when I've been to Uganda, uh, the, the Ugandans are some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. And I very rarely came across anyone who had a bank account as fat as we typically have. Because their hope, for many of them, is set upon God. But when, when we don't have the money that we would like to have, when we don't have the money to get the possessions that we would like to have, our mood goes down. And it should tell us that maybe we are trusting in the uncertainty of riches rather than in trusting ourselves to the Lord. We live here in America. We are raised to chase the American dream. And so possessions have an unhealthy priority for us. If we don't have this new game, if we don't have this new uh, trendy item, if we don't have what our next door neighbors have, if we don't have what we are seeing on the commercials, our joy slips away. And we're trusting in those things rather than in the Lord. And so, let me warn you. Uh, let me charge you, as Timothy was to charge the rich in his own congregation. Do not set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. This is good, wise advice for us who live here in America with all the, the, the temptations to get this thing or that thing. In Proverbs 23, 4 and 5, Do not toil to acquire wealth, but be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. And so your desire to have this thing or to, your desire to, to possess wealth, you blink your eyes and it takes wings and flies away. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for he, he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let me ask you, what is your master? Where, what rules your life? Does God rule your life? Or does money rule your life? Pursuing money to get this or to enjoy that, if that is where your focus is, Jesus is clear. You cannot serve God and money. It would suggest if you were out chasing money as your master, 
that God does not rule your heart. That you do not belong to Him. So let me ask you again. What is your master? What is your attitude towards money? Or to be a little more practical. Are you going into debt chasing after possessions that aren't really necessary? Do you think that you won't be happy until you get this next possession? Do not set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Rather, Paul says, set your hope on God who richly provides us everything to enjoy. Look again at verse 17. As for the rich in this, a, in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Is, is your hope set on God? Is He the one uh, where is He the one on whom you find? your joy, your certainty? Is He your hope? And then Paul gives us a little timely reminder. He says, set your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. A little earlier, uh, probably a page or so back from uh, where you are if you have have your Bibles open. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul had told, uh, the, Paul had told Timothy, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. Paul says God has given us Every, he richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The things that we have here in life are for us to enjoy. It might be tempting to think when Paul's saying, don't set your hope on the, uncertain, on the uncertainty of riches, that we are to take a, a vow of poverty, or we are to give all our money away, that we are to um, disown uh, everything that this world has to enjoy. Paul says, no. Set your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The things that God has given us, the blessings of our wealth are for us to enjoy. We're not to set our hope on it. We're not to put those, our wealth and the blessings of wealth above God. But he says we are to enjoy them. I made this point several times in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, Solomon said, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. And white garments were like the tuxedos of their age. Um... 
Let not oil be lacking on your head. And this was to help you smell better. It was so uh, wearing nice clothes, smelling good. These are blessings from God that God tells us to enjoy. He goes on, verse 9, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. And so he's saying, enjoy the life that God has given you. Enjoy the blessings that he has given you. Enjoy the pleasures of your wealth. But don't set your hearts on them. Then he gives four instructions to the rich. And actually it's two pairs of instruction in verse 18. Verse 18, they are to do good and to be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. The rich who have everything... Well, they may think, well, I've got a relationship with God. You know, it's the poor are the ones who have to ask God for their daily bread and wonder or, and trust God that they're going to get it. The rich are to do that too. But it might be tempting to think, I don't have to ask God because I've got it. Because I have it, therefore God loves me. And it is a snare that the rich can easily fall into to think, I have, um, my faith in God is real because I don't have, I'm never tested in my, the wealth uh, or rather uh, in what I'm going to get or how I'm going to take care of myself. And so what Paul's doing here. In verse 18 is he's giving the rich a little test. In fact, this reminds me of um, the young rich ruler in in Mark chapter 10, Matthew chapter 19, uh, where the young rich ruler comes up to Jesus. In fact, I should probably turn there. I'll turn to the Mark 10 passage. Beginning with verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. And so he listed off several of the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the young man said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, One thing, or I'm sorry, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And so the test here for those who are rich is 
Do you do good? Do you love to obey God's commandments? Is that the priority of your life? To do what is good. To honor God. To do what is good towards your neighbor. Well, is it? Or, as he says, are you rich um, in good works? Are you investing in good works towards other people? Are you every day thinking about how you can do something good for someone who needs something? A lot of people who name the name of Christ live as lower class Christians or lower middle class Christians when it comes to good works. They're not rich in good works. Where are you? Are you rich in good works? Or do you do good works every so often when it's convenient for you. So the test is, do you love to do good? Do you love to, to, to honor and obey God? And are you rich in good works towards those who need a helping hand? And then he goes on to add to this, the second pair, um, Paul says they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Are you generous? Well then, how does it play out in your life? Are you ready to share with those who have need? Or are you stingy? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, If God is your master instead of money. If you have set your hope on God rather than the uncertainty of riches. There will be a heart desire to do good. To do good works. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. If you're not generous. If you're not ready to share. I would think that would mean that you're selfish. I would think that that would mean that you are a lover of your money or a lover of your possessions. I don't see any way around that. So measure yourself. Test yourself. On the day of judgment, how are you going to answer to God when He says, Why did you treasure things that won't last over me? Why did you set your hope in possessions when I was your hope and offered you my Son, Jesus Christ, upon whom you could set your hope for all eternity? On the day of judgment, if you are not trusting God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. If, on the, if you arrive at the day of judgment. Trusting in your possessions. Tr- uh, seeking to 
place your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, not only will God testify against you, your money will testify against you as well. On the back of this dollar bill, it says, In God we trust. So don't trust in money. Trust in God. Paul says, when you're doing good, when you're rich in good works, when you are generous and ready to share whenever you are called upon, whenever a need is presented to you, then he says, you are thus storing up treasure. Verse 19, for those who do this are storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You're building a sure foundation for eternity. But it's not a foundation of your good works. Rather, it's a foundation built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who of us, who of us could um, always do good? Who of us could always be rich in good works? Who of us can escape the temptation of placing our hopes on the uncertainty of riches? without our hearts being changed, transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Only Christ can change your heart. Only Christ can set your hope in God alone. And so, you flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you a new heart, a generous heart, a heart that's ready to share, a heart that loves to obey God, a heart that loves good works, helping others, loving your neighbor as yourself. If you have that kind of heart, because you have the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're doing is building a sure foundation for the future. What you are doing is, in this life, you're living for the future. I love how Paul puts it as I'm getting ready to conclude. Verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, he says, don't live like this, but rather live like this. And in so doing, you are building for your future. When you have your life committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you have placed your faith in Him, not only are all your sins forgiven, but you have a new heart, you have a new direction in life, And you are living a life that is taking hold of that which is truly life here in this life that is just, that it will uh, be full of joy and glory forever and ever. Let's pray together. Almighty God, help us to invest our lives in that which truly is life. Help us to invest our lives in others because our life is invested in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is a certain investment because he is our Savior. He came here to earth. He died in our place. He rose for our justification. He is our Savior. God, I ask that there be any here who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. If there be any here who are self-deceived into thinking that they love the Lord Jesus Christ, but are in reality 
living for themselves, living for the next dollar, living for um, the possessions that cannot last, living for the uncertainty of riches. Lord, I ask that you would um, give them a, a heart change, take away their stony, dead heart, and give them a, a new heart, a Christ heart. And Lord, help us all to um, do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share, because Christ is our Master. We pray in His name. Amen.